Welcome in. This is 300 yards to unknown. I'm Rick Gaiman. That right there is Eric Patterson. Epat, what up, my dude? Rick, I am. Um, I'm just here bracing myself for what appears to be a potentially another speed week. Uh, he's off to a good start so far, so we could be in for back to back, which is kind of unexpected in 2021. But here we are. Just as we came on, uh, he was holding out for Eagle from the fairway of 10, which uh, got Twitter a bit of a buzz. It's got me all hyped up. I, I got to admit, you know, I'm in a bunch of one and dones, uh, but I rolled out Spieth in about half of them this week. And uh, I was very, very, I, I'm still very nervous about it. It's not like I can be happy Thursday. This guy's a disaster waiting to happen. It's it's all, it's going to come down to Sunday again. Um We'll see, though. It's it's exciting. I mean, this tournament doesn't have the most juice, and but the way to get the juice is to have Spieth in the mix on Sunday. So hopefully he gets there. I mean, Cantley's right. kind of Cantley's separating himself early, but uh, again, it is early. Yeah, Cantley birdied like seven of his first eight holes or something, which is a bit unfair when you are already Patrick Cantley and you jump out to a lead like that. So uh, we'll see. Obviously, plenty of golf left to be played. They're still going to have to go over and play uh, Spyglass, which is the the harder side. So we'll know much more about this Friday evening when when everybody's played around at each. I've got a couple of topics I want to get into with you. I think you're a little fired up. I can tell you're a little bit fired up. <laughs> I've been fi- I've been getting fired more fired up recently than than most weeks. I think I don't know if that's good spending or bad. Too much I, time on Twitter. I'm I'm definitely spending too much time on Twitter, and it's seeping into my brain. Um, <laughs> and topic number one does, of course, come from Twitter, and it comes from ten-time PGA Tour winner, twice a Players Champion, one-time Major Champion Steve Elkington, who I guess does like a golf show or like provide some type of golf co- golf content which i was not completely aware of but i'm sure you saw this eric he made a, a a buzz by saying strokes gained is rubbish and that the reason that they don't use it meaning whatever steve elkington's company or website is is because the tour pros don't use it and as you can expect uh there was a bit of backlash on that my friend i yeah i i watched the video obviously i didn't I didn't give it as much attention as other people, but I just, some of the stuff that Steve Elkington says is to use his word rubbish to begin with. So I don't really pay it much attention, but I guess what he does is like provide data to some select tour pros. Cause like he has like a team of guys on tour. Like he's like, uh, you know, like the 15th club sometimes like provides data to golfers, like yeah. the uh, European Ryder cup team and, and um, a few other guys, but like, and the I'm pretty cup sure team, that's think, what, yeah. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure that's what Elkington does or promotes himself as. Maybe I'm completely off, but that's that's what my understanding of what, you know, this secret golf company or whatever he runs is. So um, what does he provide? Like, I don't understand what he's providing. That's I think that data stats. That's what I think. That's what he's talking about in his in his. Uh... OK, if you want to outline like his spiel or maybe you want to play it, sure. I don't know if, if I don't can, know if I can play it. But basically, he says. Basically, he says this. Uh, he starts by saying all strokes gained aren't created equal, which is 100% true. He, he makes the statement about, you know, you could have a six-foot putt all the way down the hill, and on the opposite side of the hole, it's a six-foot putt, and it's all the way up the hill, and it breaks from left to right, and one doesn't have a break. And those are treated equally by the strokes gained system. So he's absolutely right there. But then he goes on to say, the he, he says, the reason we never, never use strokes gained is because tour players don't use it which is patently false uh, 
by 100 inaccurate by almost any way you want to look at it i mean uh, a lot of guys and i think you were was it you that tweeted this out justin thomas in his goals for a specific season will will say i want to have strokes gain numbers of x and i want to do around the green in y yeah, like those, that is he, just straight up false one plus one or better strokes gain t to green was a goal of justin thomas's in 2010 so or 2019. So to say that they don't use it is just made up. That's just incorrect. And then, um, then he he kind of went even further and said it's this thing out of MIT and it's rubbish. Which, okay, listen. And this is kind of what I wanted to talk about. It was golf stats in general. And this was a really good way to get into it. Like there are certainly flaws in the strokes gained metrics. Not they don't use the lasers on every single course. Uh, there is no topography built into it so that he's absolutely right about his six foot putts. They could be completely different, but the strokes gain system treats them the same, but that is pretty objectively the best possible stat keeping thing that we have in golf right now. Yeah, this is, you just said it there. It's the best. It's the most advanced stats that the PGA tour or that people use on the PGA tour and in, in tracking all this. So to say it's, I, I, I guess maybe it's like, I don't know, baseball, like there's still the old, the old guard that beats on the drum about, you know, advanced analytics and stuff like that. So maybe that's, this is Elkington taking his stance against, um, he didn't really, he didn't really provide what stats he uses. Maybe that's part of the other video or later on in the conversation. But them. <laughs> what does he use? I, I need to know what he uses. All right. So perfect segue to, uh, I, this is later in the video or, or somewhere else. He reveals uh, his top five key stats for Pebble Beach this week. So, of course, this is uh, only for this week. I don't know what his overall philosophy on stats is, but here are the five stats that he that he said are the top five key stats for Pebble Beach. Number one, putting from five to ten feet. Number two, <laughs> I know it gets bad worse. start. Num number two. Putting average. Number what does that three, mean? So you took 27.2 putts per round. Not even like putts per green and reg? Just like straight no. number putting? Oh, yeah. Okay. Straight okay. straight putts. Yeah. Putts shows how much. Shows how often I look at that stat when I don't even know what putting average means. Greens in regulation is number three. Okay. Scrambling is number four. And the all-important total driving is number five. So, all right. So he's, he's archaic, but okay. So, but like, if you're going to say there's flaws or he didn't even say there's flaws, he said, it's rubbish about strokes gained. The problem with putting from five to 10 feet. Uh, what about putts from four feet, 11 inches? What about putts from 10 feet and one inch? Are those, what about downhill putts from five to 10 feet <laughs> right, versus right. uphill putts from five to 10 feet? He uses that in his argument against strokes gained. So why can't he use it in in his argument for, you know, putting average or whatever it is from five to 10. Then That's to a... have, you're right. Then to have putting average. So putting average should be retired because of strokes gained. Because you, if you take 30 putts, but you hit every, sh every one of your approaches to eight feet and you took 30 putts and you hit every one of your approaches to 40 feet, that is completely different. So like, that 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 putting average should literally be retired. It shouldn't even exist anymore. What if you hit zero green and regs and your putting average is 18, but you just didn't make a birdie all day? Like, I don't, it's, this guy's, 
I want to see also, his results. Like maybe, maybe he's got the system down. Maybe we're not giving him enough credit. What does he? What does he do with these stats? Or like, I don't know what he's using them for. And then also, giving out picks? also, um, three out of the five of these, he basically triple weights putting from five to ten feet because he has putting from five to ten. He has putting average, which in theory would also include your putts from five to ten feet. And then he has scrambling, which is also a partial putting stat because it's how often you get up and down when you miss the green. So this is like three different versions of putting stats, a green and regulation stat, and then total driving, which depending on what version of total driving he's using, that might be the two holes that they use drive that they measure driving distance on and then driving accuracy. It might not like this to me is beyond bonkers. Was Al, I don't even know. Al, was Elkington a good putter? He must think like he must be a good putter because if he weighs putting this much, he must think it's the most important thing in, in the sport. That's actually I a really I have good no ball. clue, but he might be very biased towards putting if that's how he made all his money. I don't know. I bet you he led the tour in putting average for like yeah, years. He, <laughs> that's probably true. So, so he just using whatever was he was successful at for a handful of tournaments. That's the that's the go to. So I, I, I just the- for someone who he's promoting himself as as stats, you know, providing information and and kind of insight onto the tournament, and then just not, and just throwing away what is widely accepted as the most advanced stat, you know, package of stats that golf has, and most telling and very like. Once you learn what strokes gain, even just strokes gain total, very, th- very, very easy to understand. Mm-hmm. And then when you break it down by putting around the green, all that, it's again, it's fairly easy to understand. So it's not like, I don't know. And then it, it, there were some other people that just said they didn't really understand what it means. And it just kind of made it like a mockery of what strokes gain stats were. So obviously a slap in the face to you and everything you do behind the scenes. I was personally attacked by this. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, and, and let's be real. Strokes gained, especially when you start breaking it down into around the green putting off the tee, uh, it can get complicated. It can be hard to wrap your head around, uh, especially when you're like, wait a minute, he's gaining strokes off the tee, but he missed every single fairway or things like that. So it's not that I even think that strokes gained is simple to understand, but to to take any other even more flawed stat and say, this is a better way to compare golfers against one another is wrong. And also tour pros would never feel that way. Like, and, and, we, and they don't like every tour pro I've ever talked to usually knows their ranks in strokes gain metrics and what they need to improve on. So um, it's, it, it was just, yeah, it definitely grinded my gears when I watched yeah, it. Yeah. So when we were in this conversation yesterday on Twitter, um, someone Shout out to Taylor Easel. He he sent a little screen clip of um, many what would consider DJ, someone who's just not very in tune with stats, like probably just doesn't care about him at all. But apparently someone at the Valspar in 2019 asked DJ um, if he could guess his strokes gain season ranks without looking. Just like, where do you rank? And apparently DJ was the free name. He rattled off everything he ranked. Like he he knew exactly where he stood in all the categories. So um, you know, some of DJ doesn't, maybe it's the persona he gives off or he doesn't really pay attention, but, um, DJ number one player in the world clearly looks at strokes gain. JT looks at strokes gain. I know Rory's mentioned them and talked about mm-hmm. them. So, um, I'm sure Bryson, you know, uh, yeah, him Bryson down, like, eats, sleeps and drinks strokes game. <laughs> he's like, he knows exactly where he stands driving. So I just, to say that no one uses it, I, yeah. Completely, completely swinging a miss from uh, from Elk. And it's not to say that that um, 
stats are are not flawed. They certainly are. And here's a little trick. And this is actually a question I get asked all the time. If you go to the PGA Tours website and you click on any stat that you want, so like I'm going to try to find some like random stat here. Um, green, well, greens are fringe and regulation. That's probably pretty straightforward. But there's like you know distance from center of the green stuff like that. If you scroll all the way down to the bottom, the PGA Tour literally like defines them for you. So like a lot of people get surprised, Eric, when they when they realize that one of the driving distance stats is only two drives around that the tour predetermines which holes are being measured on. That usually yeah, blows people's mind. That one's very flawed driving distance. I mean, right. it's telling in a way, but at the same time, I guess, what do they do? Just assume that guys are going to hit driver here and that's, that's where they're going to yeah. measure it. Yeah. So again, doesn't make a ton of sense because you're not picking every, I guess it determines who hits it the longest on two holes, but yeah, definitely doesn't tell the whole story. Yeah. So average approach shot distance. And if you scroll all the way down to the bottom, the average distance in yards to the hole after the approach, the distance remaining must be determined by a laser. The shot must not originate from on or around the green, and it must end on or around the green. Note around the green indicates the ball is within three yards of the edge of the green. So like it, they literally break down what all of these stats are. And I think people would be surprised if they actually went and read them there actually is there is a driving distance for all drives which yeah. is better but the one that's just like straight driving distance is pretty ugly there might be i'm on this page now too and i think there might be too many stats like i'm There's just looking at stats. like what is a approach dish distance dash par like average distance the hole after i guess average distance the hole after tee shot what does that tell i don't know what that story that tells it's pretty much uh true. Yeah, I don't. Isn't that driving distance? Isn't that yeah, it's a way to tell driving distance? But yeah, there's there might be too many stats. I like when they start breaking it up by first and tenth tee scoring. So there's like twenty different. So just scoring off the tenth tee, tenth tee early scoring, tenth tee early par three scoring, tenth tee early par four scoring. Like we're too deep now. We've, we've, gone, too, we've gone too deep. There, sample sizes are all like two three like there's just yeah. nothing there we're, we're too far. early par three scoring average let's see how even many rounds there are and like is there a big difference between 10th t late round two scoring averages so here we go so last year yeah so here the current leader hold on let me see if i can get last year because matt was the leader last year had 20 holes Seamus power played 20 early 10th T par threes. We don't need these numbers. We don't need these okay. numbers. Take, take all the effort you're putting into this and throw, put the lasers at every single course. Yeah, go build a new tower. <laughs> I just found one average approach, approach distance birdie or better. So uh, that's for me, that would make, that would seem like what, where are they making birdie and what was their average approach distance in? Right? Like if I made 10 birdies from 110 yards, my average approach distance is 110. So the the number number one Sang Moon Bay, number two Ricky Barnes, number three John Sendon, <laughs> number four George McNeil, Jonathan Bird, Johnson Wagner, uh, Ryan Blom, David Hearn. Like this stat doesn't tell anything. These golfers it doesn't stink. Tell anything? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't tell anything. Um, I I always liked the uh, the reverse bounce back. So a bounce back is when you play a hole over par and then you play the next hole under par. So it's like, okay, he bounced back. There's a stat called reverse bounce back, which is when you, you play a hole under par and then you immediately give it away and play a hole over par. And that is, hold on, I want to find. I got it here. This is okay. going to be good. 
it's yeah so, this doesn't tell me anything so uh i want to go to last year's because we'll have a bigger sample size than this but let me see here and they actually do it so the lower the number is better so russell henley in only nine percent of his opportunities to make okay wait so after he makes birdie or better nine percent of the holes after that he played over par which is okay, the best yeah. rate it's the lowest so this rate. this almost makes a lot this is there's better players at the top of this list, which makes yeah. sense. Correct. I want to go. I'm at the bottom now. Yeah. Where are the guys who just you can make sense. Uh, yeah. Martin Trainer, dead last. 23% of the time he made birdie and then followed it up with a bogey. That's, that's, or worse. That's, that's a really lot. Bad. That's a, it's really bad. Speech was really 183 bad. last year. Wow. That makes sense yeah. too. So if you've got uh, a couple hours to kill, head over to the PGA Tour stats page and see how ridiculous they all are and then go read the descriptions at the bottom and then uh, decide what stats are flawed or not flawed yourself. But it's always a good time. Or just, yeah, just stick to strokes gain. That tells a good story. There you go. You could do that. Uh, the pros do use it. I can guarantee it. Um, little news. I wanted, to, I wanted to bring this up with you. Because I read this article a couple of days ago, and it's from golf.com, and it is an article about Top Golf, and it is them cutting a deal with a uh, actually a town in Southern California, in El Segundo, where they are take there is a nine hole municipal golf course that uh, is there, and Top Golf is now going to own own and operate that course, and they are going to put a top they're gonna put a lot of money into the course itself they're gonna add lights to it they're gonna improve the clubhouse they're gonna improve the restaurant and then they're also adding a two-tiered top golf range there as well and to me eric this was like i thought this was pretty cool because you know this is kind of the best of both worlds you can kind of get people uh over there playing on the top golf range if they want to go out to the real course they can do that there's there's nighttime uh, golf available if you want to do that on the real side. I, I thought this was pretty slick and a way it, for Top Golf to kind of get into other places where land is an issue and they can kind of piggyback off of already existing courses and 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 improve them. No, yeah, I I truthfully didn't read too deep into this. I saw they were buying it. It seems like a very smart idea. It's basically just a Top Golf has a fun driving range beside a municipal course, right? Right. And yep. if you want to go actually test your skills on a, on a course, I doubt this course is very long. It's a, maybe like a nine hole par three or something like that, but still um, definitely a good way to, you know, this could be like the future of growing. If you want to do that quote, quote unquote, grow the game thing, because I think this is like the best of both worlds. People love top golf. I've never been. Um, oh, Eric. I know we don't have any in Canada. They were, oh we were supposed God. to get one, but yeah, they haven't uh, haven't made their way up here yet. Um, I would love to go eventually, but yeah, this seems like a, a very smart thing to do because I could just, you know, people are they've they've done the top golf thing. They want to go see what the real golf course is all about, and then they have it right there. So I think this is I think this is smart and definitely a a model that they could use moving forward. I think I'm going to top top golf tomorrow. I think I'm going to be there tomorrow morning. So you see, you live in Vegas. I live in it's like. 40, I don't know, below freezing, whatever that is in Fahrenheit up here. So I don't really have these luxuries. I can't just I can't just go go to Top Golf like you can. All right. but. Well, we'll have you we'll have you down here. We'll go to Top Golf. Uh here's here's what I think the big thing is because a lot of people, I mean, maybe people do realize this. Like cities lose money on golf courses like this. I mean, the maintenance alone, 
is incredibly expensive. So here's here's the way here were the economics of this. This course was losing two hundred and seventy five thousand dollars a year. So now, uh, based on projections and based on the agreement that is in place between Top Golf and the city, the city is going to get a hundred million dollars over the course of the next fifty years. So essentially, two million dollars a year instead of losing two hundred and seventy five thousand dollars a year there's also going to be a plan to add more full-time jobs and things like this so uh there are a few opportunities in business and government and all that stuff where things are a win-win but on paper this feels like one uh yeah no doubt i mean i think this like you said there's dying golf courses all over the place and if you throw up a top golf even something similar to a top golf i know there's some competitors out there that do something similar where it's interactive um, I know Tiger has like the pop stroke stuff, which is like outdoor fun, interactive putting course. So like even yeah. just to spice it up with something with a little, you know, take the, what's the word? The, uh, you know, this, this, you know, the uptight the stuffiness, up, the, yeah, stuffiness? the stuffiness about golf courses and just, and just, you know, throw something with flashy beside it. And I think that draws a lot of attention. I, if, if, if it's going to work, it's definitely going to work in California. I'll give them, you know, that's definitely a good place to start. I don't know if you can just do this in, you know, some northerly state. So I, I would expect this to happen a lot moving forward. And I just kind of going through this article, I forgot that Callaway actually bought Top Golf. So um, yeah. a nice little combo there. I'm sure every Top Golf they have is just flush with Callaway clubs. So um, mm-hmm. good, uh, good way to brand yourself to a, a new generation, I guess, of, of golfers as well. Yeah, they've always had they've always had the Callaway stuff in there. I think from from years ago. Before I think when they first started, I think Callaway was like an investor and had like f- maybe fourteen percent of Top Golf, and then I think they finally bought them out. Can you bring your own clubs? Better. You got to be able to bring your yeah. own clubs. Oh yeah, is, of it, course, is yeah. it like are you like a go hard if you bring your own clubs? Yes and no. You're a go hard if you like bring your rangefinder and shoot the number like okay, there. Well, and what is and yeah? What's top top golf like? Uh, etiquette you what did you bring a glove can you bring a glove golf shoes what are we doing uh, i wouldn't wear golf shoes i would okay. wear sne- i i've i've this might be wrong i've i've worn a glove like if i was going there like i was out there for a while like i'm not gonna get blisters on my hands for this like i'm gonna i'm gonna wear the glove but um yeah i i, I think i'm on the border of if i went one step further i would be a joke there i think so don't like and uh you don't go in with like a, a tuck collar pants belt no you know, don't do that Okay. No, just wear like your sweats or like your shorts or whatever, and your. I feel you like know. I'd be weird to walk in there with your own clubs too. I just feel like that's just kind of. Uh, I see it. I see it a lot. But... Yeah, I mean, I they and they and they've got sets there. The sets are they're they're, they're set up right next to uh the th- now. See if you're really, they're not like the highest quality sets, right? Because they're expecting people to just bang them around constantly, right? So they're not like the best Callaway clubs you've ever seen. They're developed just for Top Golf, and they don't give you a full set. So they give you like, depending on what side you're on, you either get a three iron, five iron, seven iron, nine iron, or you get the four, six, eight. you know what I mean? So I don't know if that matters to you. If you care about the gaps, you might want to bring your own clubs. Do people go there and practice or is it strictly to play the game? I'm very curious about it. It would be, it, it would probably be, uh, expensive if you just used it as a driving range because i mean i mean the one in vegas is probably the most expensive one just because of the touristy stuff but i mean you're talking you're talking somewhere probably between 30 and 50 dollars an hour for the bay 
now, yeah, now awesome. you could, but you could have eight people with you and it's still 30 to $50 for the bay. Right. Um, so if you're going there just to grind balls, it's probably a bit expensive. <laughs> just go grind and there's a party beside you and you're just sweating out, working on the, you know, trying to figure out the wedge game. Yeah. Right. You might, exactly. You might stand out. You Tell might stand out. Down. <laughs> but if you, you know, you go there and, you know, pr the, if practice is playing the games and hitting at the targets and then following along and trying to post a score, you know, that's a little bit different. You know, we go, my, my wife and I go, I mean, she hits, you know, I hit 85% of the ball. She hits 15%, but we, right. But we, you know, we drink and sometimes we've gone and we'll have breakfast there. They have good breakfast. So like, you know, it turns oh. into like a little bit, they got TVs all over the place. It's whatever you want, man. It's unbelievable. All right. Well, I think there's one supposed to like, there was some agreement for one to come to Canada or somewhere in Toronto. So hopefully that's here uh, in the not too distant future, but uh I'm well, you actually said I actually think they're better in colder climates because you That's can have I know open there's all year nowhere round. for me to hit balls right now because it's just cold. There's like right. indoor domes, but those those are those are junk because they just don't go anywhere. You just hit it into like a wall. Yeah, you could throw up a top golf. You'd have your heated bay, and you could rock and roll. All right. Well, I gotta. I need some investors before I can start start one of those. I wonder how much they cost. Like, I, like if you like if they want to build a new top golf. I couldn't even imagine how much that cost. We have an outdoor driving range down here in Toronto. That's like all concrete. The balls are apparently like ping pong balls because after the dimples just hit concrete and are worn out. So it's like <laughs> junk. So that seems like a logical place for top golf to just slide in and, and build one, but still haven't seen it. I guess the land is expensive. That's probably the most expensive yeah. part about it. Otherwise they just throw up the nets, they throw in the technology or whatever, but that seems, yeah, the land, I guess, depending is, is not cheap. Um, Speaking of rangefinders, I don't know how much time we need to spend on this because this has been pretty well documented. But the PGA of America now going to let uh, in its three majors: so that's the PGA Championship, Women's PGA Championship, and the Senior PGA Championship starting this year. Rangefinders, um, or what they call distance measuring devices. And as soon as I read this, Eric, I was like, "Cool, it'll speed up the game." And then five minutes later, I was like, "Nope." No, it won't because people yeah, who actually exactly, exactly <laughs> what I thought. Because people who actually know better uh came in and was like, no, like pros don't use rangefinders in the same way amateurs do. Like I shoot the exactly. flag and that number, it doesn't matter if it's 157, 152, 159. It's I'm hitting the same club, right? It doesn't matter. You're not worried about the swale that's four feet in front of the pin. You're trying to fly it, you know, four feet in front or trickle it down or even the swell behind use the backboard you're not worried about that give me the pin what is it right. maybe figure out where the center of the green is and aim for that yeah these guys right. use it differently so it's just uh, what it is is just another tool in their calculation and they're still going to do the all the same things they've done before and now they're just going to use a gun um to double check and i saw a great gif of you know Bryson when he was at the range like banging his head at the open championship just like so frustrated it was like down it was like uh Bryson when he's got 121 to the, the to the flag, 144 to the back or something, at the, but the gun says 122, and he's just like so frustrated, <laughs> can't figure out why there's a yard off. So yeah, uh, yeah, I think it's gonna be, um, it's just gonna be another calculation or another step in the process, and not really speed it up as much as people think. Yeah, and that's what they were like. And, and anytime there's a discrepancy, uh, I think it was John Wood who was on on Twitter. Yeah, uh, that's who changed my mind. Yeah, he was like, "This it's going to grind to a halt." Like anytime our number is different than what we shoot, 
like now we're going to have to triple and quadruple check it and figure it out. And it, this is actually going to slow things down, which I, I don't know, maybe not, maybe, maybe not, but like, I guess just shooting the number with the flag is, uh, not, not good enough for these guys. No, the only, only areas I could see it like picking up, like helping pace of play is when a guy's way offline. And instead of, you know, Bryson walking bat- the only example I really have, but him pacing off 110 yards, go check the green. Um, hopefully he would just use his gun and hit the pin. And then that's the distance to the stick. Uh, hopefully he doesn't have to, you know, use the gun and then pace it off to double check. But that's the only time I think it would increase or help pace of play. But at the same time, that's, you're, you know, if you're a competitor and your buddy, like so you're playing partners off in the rough, you want him to be at a disadvantage because now he's guessing a little bit where the pin exact distance for the pin is. Now, if he has the, you know, that he's removing that doubt from his mind. So in a, from a competitive standpoint, um, I just don't think these guys would want, like, I don't know. I guess when you're out of position, you want to use it. But when you're in position, you don't want your playing partner to use it. So it's just, it seems very odd. And also, like, no one was really asking for it. No one was, like, making a beat in the drum for who, I don't know. Maybe there are. Maybe there, I don't know who's asking for rain fighters. <laughs> they use them in practice rounds. That's fine. But, like, no one's like, yo, we need practice. We need range finders during play to, to help speed up the pace of play. I just don't, I've never heard that ever. I can't wait for one guy to uh, miss the flag and shoot the tree behind the green. And then he flies it right into the back of the tree. You ever do that? Like, I can't get it to click on the flag. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not one for you. I can't be right. I can't be right. Yeah. See, this is exactly what I mean. Like, it's, or the, the flag's not waving or yeah. B- right. Batteries dying. You just, it's, then I start shooting. I start shooting the like the guy standing on the green. I'm like, okay, well he's yeah, buddy, like kind moving. of in the middle. Yeah, stop moving around. I actually, I just got one of those for Christmas, so I'm excited to start using it this summer. But uh, always, I was always that guy mooching off my buddy. Hey, can you throw me the gun. I need a, I need a number. So now I don't have to be that guy anymore. The best thing I ever had was, uh, and the strap broke, and it was such a. I never got it fixed or anything. I had the watch. I had the watch, and all it would tell you was front, middle, back. Like that is all the numbers that I need. And I had it right on my wrist. I didn't need anything to carry in my pocket or shoot or anything like that. And I just knew I had my front m- number, my back number, and my middle number. And I didn't really care where the pin was. That, that to just, me was the best. I, I, just, get one of those I don't think I can play with something on my wrist. That's my only <sighs> issue. No. I don't know. It just feels weird. But does, hey, Bubba hey. Still, does Bubba still play with that like $500,000 watch? I think so. Well, there's a few guys. I think Phil still straps on the leather band too. There's a few guys you play with the watches on. Um, now they all have the whoop, whoop straps too. So there's something on That's everyone's right. wrist. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's just one tournament. I wish they would have done it at like the, the Zurich Classic just to test it out or another event, not a major championship, but is what it is. Yeah, it's actually a good point when it was like, um, who who was asking for this? Like why? Like why? Like did the is, is the PGA of America just being like, look, we're making progress, we're doing things, we're I I don't know, I don't even want to say the word helping because I'm not sure helping is is the right answer. Is this just a way to be doing something? Yeah, it just seems like they wanted to make a change, <laughs> and this is the only thing they could come up with. Um, it's been said on uh out there already, but like this was one advantage that amateurs like weekend warriors like you and I, this was an advantage we had or like a, a tool we could use that pros couldn't and made the game easier for us in a way. And now it's, they have the advantage that we have. So it's just like kind of, um, 
some people are clamoring for them to make the game harder by changing the equipment. Now this is a way to give them more equipment to make the game easier. So it just seems a little bit backwards from, uh, you know, these are the best guys in the world. They have caddies for a reason. Let them. I also think like doing math on the spot and, you know, being able to hit a shot. This Wait, I'm going to reverse. This all comes back to enforcing pace of play to begin with. Like that's why pace of play has gotten out of, out of hand is because we're allowing guys to pace off shots yeah. We're allowing them to sit over, you know, double check, triple check their numbers, do the math over and over. Like if they're a shot clock and your caddy can't figure out the number in like 30 seconds, 45 seconds, then your caddy stinks. Like he, like this is an advantage for having a good caddy. And this almost just takes away any advantage someone might have because they trust every number their caddy gives them. What would be the single fastest, easiest way to speed up the game? One thing. It's not, it's not range finders. Shot clock. Give them, give them parts. Shot clock? Shot clock. You get to your yeah. ball, you put your bag down, or like 40 seconds, you better be pulling the trigger. Or or you get a penalty stroke. Like, or, yeah. or what but then what happened? What if it's like, oh, I'm gonna use my time bank. I need a little extra time on this. Well, shot. they did this on the, on the European tour with that shot clock masters, and they were playing like three and three and a half hour rounds. They were flying. Um and would would golf carts would golf carts speed it up? Probably. I think so. I don't think my take on golf carts is they don't speed up the game for like really bad golfers because you spend a lot of time driving around and like zigzagging and there's two guys in the cart and you're buzzing all over the fairway. You but that, you have to go 100 yards that yeah. way. You have to go 100 yards that way. But when way, you're yeah. really good at golf, you just hit, you know, right down the middle of the fairway, right to the green and away you go. So yeah, if you want to speed it up that way, that's that's fine. Um, I also think that I also think there's a skill in playing fast and, you know, trying to remove like one of the biggest things that golfers can mess up is just ha- not being sure while they stand over the ball, whether that's yardage, whether that's wind, mm-hmm. whatever that's, you know, club selection, whatever it might be. So in order to pull the trigger in 30, 30, 45 seconds, there's a skill to that. And that's why like when DJ plays, it's like, my God, this guy doesn't think about anything. He just steps up, hits it. He's the best player in the world. Then he, you get other guys thinking all the time. Uh, DJ's making contact while his playing partner's ball is like still in the air. There's like, nothing better than like, you know, yeah, they, <laughs> They broadcast can't even pick up his swing. You just see the follow through and DJ's, oh, DJ's already hit. He's raring to go. So like it's proven that you don't need to take time to play well because DJ does it all the time. Last thing on this, because this is uh, PGA of America. It does not influence literally anything else. Uh, And are are we going to get to the point where whether this is local rules with equipment, whether it is you can use a rangefinder here, but you can't use it there. Maybe we let you wear shorts here. Like, are we just going to have like nine different sets of rules that these guys are going to have to follow over the course of a year? It seems like we're going that way because, like, you know, we, if this rollback thing ever comes, like Augusta will play the Augusta ball, and then there's going to be yeah, the rangefinder opens. There's going to be yeah, uh, maybe I don't know. I don't think we'll ever see golf carts, but he could see that. I hopefully, I don't really care about the shorts, but yeah, PGA Tour might let the dress code go wild. So like every week could be a little bit different from that standpoint. I just, I wish there was a little more cohesion between them all. But yeah, this is the PGA of America trying to make some noise with without really, you know, no one's even asking for it. So it was, a, <laughs> it was very strange, but is what it is. Uh, no one's asking for the noise yet. They are making it. Uh, okay, Epat, anything else we should chat on before we kick it? 
what just what is your takeaway about I haven't heard about your take on what you saw from Spieth last week is he is he back or are you cautiously optimistic what's going on there yeah I think very cautiously optimistic or at least for this week uh I, I think I was still feeling like if what we saw last week and then we rolled to Tory Pines in the, a place where you just can't miss the fairway or whatever I'd be like mm, let's wait and see on Spieth but to go to a place where he has had a lot of really good success. Uh, maybe he can do it again this week. And then and then when you start to get, I think it will be interesting. This is such an important week for him because if you can start putting together top tens, you can start getting yourself back in contention a lot. I think there, I think that's really good for what he needs to happen, right? I was kind of, uh, even like a year ago, I was like, he should play every event because this guy needs to find a win somewhere. Like, I don't care what it is. He needs to just be the best golfer for a single week. But if we start putting together a couple of really good finishes for him, he starts to get that swag back a little bit. I think he could be pretty dangerous. Yeah, like I don't think last... Like you said, like last week, now this week, that couldn't probably couldn't have happened at a better time if right. if he continues that success. I just I was very encouraged. He led the field to strokes gain approach. So that has to mean something because I don't know when the last time he did that in the tournament was. You might know better than me, but it's probably been, you know, three, four years. So uh Sometimes. definitely a step in the right direction. And uh, like a solid field too. Like he was beating Xander Brooks. So yeah. Um some names in that field that he he beat out, but uh, definitely lost with the driver still. And I think we saw that on Sunday. Yeah. He, he has no idea where it's going. He just absolutely no clue. Uh, sometimes it's so, it's it's so bizarre for someone at his level. Like he's clearly like mental. Like as soon as he puts a, a T in the ground, like he forgets how to hit the ball, which is, it's weird. He, he will club twirl a ball that misses the fairway by three yards because that's like a good miss. Like that's like a good shot. Speed twirls every shot he takes. I believe. <laughs> every like you can't you can't tell if he. I saw him. I think today he, he kind of like snapped, hooked one out of a fairway bunker and club twirled, and it went into another bunker. So I don't know if that's very that. telling. Yeah, I, I don't know that. if his twir- twirl means anything. His twirl game is very strong. Uh, no matter what happens, he just lets it fly. I love it. Um, sweet Epat. Much appreciated at Epat Golf on Twitter. You can find his work on the score. You can read his quick nine newsletter, which is now what Monday and Thursday. Thursdays. Okay. Yeah. Now on Thursdays, uh, which is always a great source of fun, entertainment, information, all that good stuff. Eric, much appreciated as usual. Yeah, no, no worries. Uh, yeah, have a have a good week at Pebble, and we'll we'll see you for Riviera. Finally, we got a another another big boy event coming right right around the corner. I love the Riv. I yeah, love it's the gonna Riv. be fun. All right, you can follow me on Twitter at Rick Run Good. This has been 300 Yards to Unknown. I will catch you next time.